Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 182 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's Mom. Today I'm excited to introduce you to Jenny and Myron, Jacob's mom and dad. I always really enjoy having both parents on because they offer such unique perspectives, and Myron and Jenny are no exceptions to that. They also have a very unique story and that their boys were both in a car accident and were hit by a drunk driver. One of their boys survived and one of them was killed. So they do spend time talking about both of their boys, which I really appreciate as well. I do want to give a brief reminder for our next live stream, the live stream that Gwen and I are going to do when we talk about the physical effects of grief. That will be a week from Tuesday on March 21st at 7 p.m. So again, just a reminder to all of you to tune in to that. You'll get to hear from both of us and from Aaron as well. So for right now, I want you to sit back and enjoy listening to Jacob's mom and dad. Thank you so much. Today I have two guests coming on the podcast. So we have Myron and Jenny. So they're here to talk about their son, Jacob. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Yes, thanks for having us. Absolutely. So why don't you start out by just telling us a little bit about Jacob? Well, Jacob is our youngest. Okay. He is completely different than his older brother in every way imaginable. Ever since I, they were little, they're like night and day. Jacob was the artistic one that as soon as he walked in the door, you know, one shoe went one way, the other shoe went the other way. And, you know, just, he was just Uh that kind of carefree kid, but very, very kind hearted. Mm Mm-hmm. Always friendly to everybody, even at a very young age. You know, he was always super friendly, never met a stranger. And that continued right right on through his teenage years as well. So how much of an age gap is there between your boys? About three years. Okay. Okay. Were they friends then being so opposite? They they were. They kind of bonded with with different. They, They bonded early over music. Okay. And then Caleb, our oldest, he was kind of a writer. He, especially okay. coming up through, you know, through his younger years into high school, he liked to write. Okay. Whereas Jacob was more of an illustrator. He loved to draw and that kind of thing. And so they actually wrote a book together. Oh, did they? Yeah, yeah. And it was pretty interesting. You know, Caleb wrote it and then Jacob illustrated it. So that was, uh, that was really oh, neat. How old were they when they did that? Upper elementary age. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I bet we, that was super fun. We, we made copies of it and gave it out to some friends and family for Christmas that year. Oh, I bet they love that. Yeah. And how precious for you to have that now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, Jacob is a very, even from very young age, was big, was, was a big kid. Uh-huh. Caleb was smaller framed, but Caleb, you know, being the, the older brother kind of, uh, you know, bullied him around a little bit. And it was kind of funny because what we kept telling him is Jacob was growing and growing and growing. You keep that up. And one of these days he's going to have enough. And he was very, very, you know, you, you just about couldn't rile him up. But there were there were a couple of times where Jacob just had enough and he, uh, you know, would body slam Caleb or something. And Caleb would become, you're not going to believe what he did. And you're like, I'm actually believing what he did. Yeah. <laughs> been telling you, it's coming. It's coming. Keep poking the bear. You warned them. Yeah. I always wondered that with my boys too. Cause you know, they're, they're both small. They're both small kids for sure. But Andy was always so tiny. Like Peter was small, but Andy was tiny. So I always wondered if Peter would ever outgrow him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you just don't know obviously when, when they're taken away too young like that, but yeah. Yeah. So talk a little bit about more about Jacob, about him and his teenage years. Uh, you know, again, kind of very mild-mannered. Mm-hmm. Everybody who ever met him loved him. I mean, like instantly just loved him. He was he had that personality that everybody wanted to be around, mm-hmm. very laid back. Caleb is more like me, very uh, motivated, very type A personality. A good example for Jacob, you know, he, he loved football, mm-hmm. but he didn't have that aggressive attitude. So very big, very strong, but just really laid back. And I remember one time that he was in a a football game and he was the guard on the offense. And all of a sudden he just came alive on the, on the football field and grabbed like two or three kids and he's a steamrolling them. And the running back runs behind him and it goes on for a, you know, a a large uh, run and uh, the the comes off the field and the coach is like, God, Jacob, what got into you? He's like, you made me mad, coach. And coach is like, I'm going to make you mad every day then. <laughs> so, you know, it took a lot to get him riled up. But when, you know, but he was, you know, uh, you know when, he, when he got riled up, you know, he could, he could uh, do some damage. Oh, that's an awesome story. Generally, though, like we found out, you know, after we lost him that like some of the things that came out was, in the cafeteria at school, in high school, he would be the one looking at seeing a new kid sitting off by himself and mm-hmm. go sit down and make a friend. And, oh. you know, so he just was very, he was, he was a really big kid. He was six one, six two. Six two. Mm-hmm. You know, big, big boy, but like teddy bear heart, just. Yeah. Gentle giant kind of kid. Yeah. 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 Oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. yeah. Smart and intelligent and uh, inherited that Levitt sarcastic humor as well. <laughs> yeah. You're giving him the side eye there. I have to uh-huh. explain that to my listeners that uh-huh. mom is giving dad the side eye about yeah, the sense yeah. of humor. Well, her being the only female in the house, yeah, she got the brunt of the sarcasm from all three of us. And so... She had to uh, attain thick skin very quick. 
yep. in our relationship. And then as as the ki- the gr- the boys grew, sometimes she'd just be like, "Okay, that's enough. <laughs> that's enough." It's funny being the brunt of all these jokes all the time, isn't it? Because I mm-hmm. feel like I am for sure with the boys. It, and still now with Peter and Eric together, they will they just find this really funny. Yeah, and, and she's she's not the quickest on the uh, on the uptake, and so sometimes you it'll take her a little bit of time to like put all the pieces together, and then she'd be like, "You guys, you know," so that that kind of a deal. It's true. <laughs> yeah, they did a really funny joke with me. What was it, a couple summers ago? Now we were golfing, and Peter gives me a golf ball, and he said, "This is a really good ball, Mom. I know you're gonna hit this one really well." So he puts it down, and it was like a par three. So I'm like trying to get it on the green or whatever. So I swing really hard at this ball, and it's one that explodes yeah, and yeah. just turns into like powder. So they both knew about it, and there Eric is recording me and hit this. And then, of course, you know when you hit nothing, I'm like look flailing because it's there was no impact, and now I'm just in a cloud of white dust. They thought it was hilarious. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. My, my husband's amazing. probably taking notes right now. <laughs> I know. I know. I, I hear that. Sounding amazing. I what didn't feel amazing at the time. Yeah. But see, those are the kind of things that we have to put up with when mm-hmm. we live in a house with some boys, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, do you want to go on now and talk about what happened with Jacob? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So back in August of 2015, all four of us back it up a little bit further. Myron and I um, have been married. It'll be 30 years this year. We met through church. We tried to raise our boys through church. We were very involved. And we, all four of us had been at a church event that night where we each volunteered in different roles in the church event. It was really late. You know, when you're volunteer at church are usually the first ones there and the last ones to leave Mm -hmm. so it was late and uh we had just gotten home when he got a phone call i got a phone call from our our pastor's wife actually jenny and i had gotten home a little bit before the boys they had drove separately okay and caleb was driving the boys home from this event and so i get a phone call from my pastor's wife and she said she said do you know where your boys are at and i said well they're either on their way home or, you know, at the church, they were there, you know, finishing, getting everything cleaned up and ready for church tomorrow. She said, well, we were leaving the church when we came across a car accident and it looks like Caleb's vehicle. And of course, you know, the first thing that you think of is, you know, it's not, it's not them, right? you know? And um, I said, oh, okay. I said, you know, there's a, there's a lot of those, uh, he had a Ford Escape. I said, there's a lot of little Red Ford escapes on the road. I said, I'm sure it's not them, but let me give them a call. Yeah. And so she said, okay. And she said, I, I, I don't want to scare you, but the vehicle's on fire. You know, I said, okay, no problem. Let me, let me call them and I'll get right back to you. And so I read on, you know, jumped on, called Caleb, no answer, called Jacob, no answer, texted both of them to no reply. And I thought, okay, this is, this is odd because if one of them was driving, the other one would have replied back. Right, right. We lived about, 30 minutes from the church. And so I got in the vehicle. I asked my wife, I said, I said, Jenny, why don't you stay here? So when they get home, you can call me, let me know. Again, okay. the thought was, it's not them. Let me, I'm just going to go head, head towards where this accident is at, but I'm sure I'm going to pass them on the road. Right. And so I, you know, I just asked Jenny, why don't you just stay here? So when they get here, 
uh, you can let me know they're here. And so she stayed, I got in the vehicle and got probably within about five minutes of where the accident was happening. And our assistant pastor called me on the phone and he said, he said, I had, they have all the roads shut down. I had to kind of go back way, but I, I got over to where the accident is at. And he said, it's, it's definitely Caleb's truck. He said, um, they won't tell me anything more than that. And I said, okay, no problem. I'm about two minutes away. Yeah. So I kind of have to go some back roads to where it was at. It was a, a very major intersection, uh, but a little bit out in the country. So four lane highway, traffic light, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. There. And yeah. so they, they had shut the entire uh, highway down. And so right. I get there, I pull up and I run across the, the intersection and I see, I see first the thing I see is about probably 50 yards down the road. I actually see this white, big white truck rolled over. The truck is in a mess. And this was like midnight or a little bit later. And it was, it was because of the street lights were there. I could see the truck and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, oh, wow, somebody, yeah. somebody did not survive that wreck. Yeah. And then I see my son's truck again, the entire front end is ripped off the truck. Oh, and uh, so there's a cop kind of standing by. And uh, so I go over to him and I said, uh, I said, where are the boys that were in that truck? And, he, and, you know, the cop was like, who are you? Who are you? And I'm like, I'm the dad of the boys that were in that truck. He said, no, no. He said, there was, there was only one. There was only one boy in that truck. I said, no, there were two boys in that truck. He said, no, sir, I'm telling you, there was only one. And he is on his way to the trauma unit. That's where you need to go. And <clears throat> the entire time, he's pushing me back across the interstate, like literally yeah. pushing me back across the interstate or the, not the interstate, but the highway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I I'm, I'm not understanding, you know, why, why is he doing this? Why is he pushing me back? And so I get all the way back across the intersection and my assistant pastor, uh, by that time is standing there beside me. And I, I don't, I have no idea how I didn't see it before, but I look to the left and I, I see a body laying in the middle of the intersection covered in a body bag. And, mm-hmm. Obviously, we, you know, we had talked about Jacob's size and very, you know, he's a big kid, you know. And so I said, uh, that's that's my son right there. And the officer said, no, no, it's not. Your son is on his way to the hospital. And I said, I know my son. That's my son. He said, it's not. It's not your son. So I'm really confused, you know, by the whole deal. And about that time. When I, and again, if you've ever experienced anything like this before, it, it, it's just. I have, I was in it. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. And it's just so confusing and your mind is going everywhere. And, and uh, I remember I'm, I'm standing there, I'm looking over at this body laying in the middle of the intersection and this, this guilt yeah. just hits me. I mean, like a sledgehammer uh and i draw almost i i dry drop to my knees i'm holding my head and and you know i'm not i'm not weeping i'm not crying i'm just all of these images are hitting me you know some people say you know when you're you know getting ready to pass away your life kind of flashes before your eyes well 
it wasn't my life that was flashing before my eyes. It was all my failures as a dad. Yeah. And um, so, so I'm sorry. Um, so it seemed like it went on for minutes, but really what it was, you know, it was just a few seconds. Yeah. And I kind of collect myself and I, um, uh, you know, I asked my, my pastor's wife was there as well. And I said, can you go home and get Jenny and meet us at the hospital? And, and so I got back in our vehicle and I, again, I'm just, I'm so confused because this cop is telling me this is not your son, that your son is, that's not who that, who's underneath that body bag. And so, you know, I, I, I'm just kind of in a, a haze. I drive to the, to the hospital. Uh, again, my assistant pastor was with me. He was riding with me and, and uh, we get to the hospital get there and they're they're not telling me anything they have no information so finally jenny uh the, my assistant pastor's wife tiffany gets out to where our house is at picks up jenny and they're on the way to the hospital and can i pick up from there yeah so and i know i've i've heard your story so i know that you were there when your family yep. with the accident where you lost your son well first of all you think in that in that initial no, this can't be. This happens to other people. This doesn't happen yeah. to us. Yeah. So you're still kind of in that like disbelief and shock. And, you know, so she picked me up. I, I mean, I still remember when we were driving, she purposely drove the longest way around that she could. So I wouldn't be right next to the accident. But I still, I mean, even seven years later, I can still remember when I turned my head to the right while we were passing and then the accident would have been probably half a mile down, but the entire intersection was just full of emergency personnel. It was out in the country at 12 something at night. So it was dark, it was drizzling rain. And that that impression like embedded in my brain where yeah. for about the first year um, after the accident, there were times when I had to call him when I was driving home late in, in similar situations, mm -hmm. twice that I remember, I came across bad accidents in the same type of situation, drizzly rain late at night. And I realized now it was probably some kind of like panic attack or something, but I had to, PTSD, I'm sure. I had to actually yeah. call him and stay on the line with him until I could get home because yeah. I was just like, whoa, you know. But uh, yeah, so we made it to the hospital and there was just still so much confusion. You know, the them telling us that there wasn't, again, they were just for the longest several hours, they kept saying, no, it was just one son, just one son. And, you know, he was starting to doubt himself, like, well, did I really see that? Did I, you know, there's right. just so much confusion. And in the meantime, we are absolutely blessed to be part of a wonderful church community. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those same people that we had just been volunteering with and putting on that event, I don't know, probably a hundred of them. Maybe more than that were in the waiting room at the hospital. They're just like, honestly, looking back, it seemed like there's a couple hundred people there. I don't know if there's that many, but yeah. you know, it's a large hospital and there's, and, and there's this massive lobby area where people can con kind of congregate and there's, and there's just people everywhere, you know? It does very much sound like our story, doesn't it, Jenny, when you listen, because we were going to a work event. And so my entire work family came 
And there were probably at least 50 or 60 people. They gave them their own room. And then they allowed them to come back only two or three at a time to not mm-hmm. overwhelm us, you know? Yeah. But yeah, it, it's very, very similar. But of yeah. course, you know, all of us were, were patients, you know, and yeah. because yeah. we'd all been in the accident. But wow, yeah. that's... Yeah. 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 So similar. So similar. Yeah. Uh-huh. So we're, we're back in the trauma ICU waiting rooms, very, very small waiting room there. Mm-hmm. And we're waiting and finally a state trooper shows up and this entire time we were going to the trauma nurses, you know, can I get an update? And they're like, we don't have an update. Do you have a Jacob Levitt? No, we don't have a Jacob Levitt. This, the, the state trooper shows up and, and he comes in to talk to us and he's sitting there and he receives a phone call. So he answered the phone. He said, yes. He said, your son was involved in an accident. He said, and he is so drunk and belligerent here at the hospital. He's act, he's physically fighting the nurses and the doctors. He said, you need to get down here right now. And he hangs up and he looks over to us and I'm just like, is that the person who hit our son? That's that, that's that drunk. And he gets this kind of deer in the headlight look like I probably should not have taken this phone call in front of this family, you know? Of course not. Yes. <laughs> so, so anyway, he's like, yeah, it's, it, it is. And I said, so the, the person who hit our son was drunk. And he, I, he said, yes. And I said, and he's, he's okay. He's like, well, he's got some bumps and bruises, but yes, he's okay. He said that there was a, a passenger in that vehicle as well. They were both 18 years old. Both of them were drunk. The 18 year old did uh, sustain a, uh, some minor injuries. They, you know, he ended up being in the hospital, I think like three days. Uh, he had a punctured lung, some broken ribs, I think that kind of a thing. Uh-huh. So we kept asking him, can you give us an, where's Jacob? Where's Jacob? And he's, and again, it's just so confusing because he's like, I don't, I don't have a record of a Jacob. I don't, who, I said, Jacob was in that vehicle when the wreck happened. And he said, no, I don't, I don't, I don't believe that's the case. And so at this time I have called all of our friends who are not there uh, you know, anybody who could, Jacob could have ran, ride, rode home with. Yeah, right. You, where, do you, have you heard from Jacob? When was the last time you saw Jacob? So we don't know if Jacob at this point is with a friend somewhere or, you know, yeah. got to ride home with somebody else. Very out of character for him to do anything like that. But we're, we're just so confused. Right. So one point, you know, every time we would get any kind of an update, we would have to walk out. I would walk out and kind of update the folks who are out in the lobby and tell them, okay, here's where we're at. Caleb is here. He's in critical condition. And I mean, he was just, it was a miracle that he was even alive at that point. Yeah. So he, he was uh, bleeding internally. He was actually literally bleeding out internally. His, his uh, liver had been yeah, uh, lacerated. So yeah. So he was bleeding out internally. So they're like, we have to get him into the emergency OR now do you want to see him before we take him up? And we're like, yes, of course. So we go back and we see him and it's, it, it's every parent's nightmare. What we re- walked into. I mean, he's bleeding out of every, his nose, his mouth, his ears, you know, they're just pouring, you know, blood and, and 
uh, his face is all beat up. And we, we were even asking the doctor, they said the, the vehicle was on fire. Uh, you know, how badly is he burned? And, and the doctors were like, well, he's, he's, he's not, he's not burned. And so we're like, oh, okay, wow. All right. So they get him off up to OR. We're still there. And uh, in the little trauma, trauma room, emergency room area, uh, waiting, trying to get some updates. When the state troopers came back and said, we, we need to talk to you over here. And if, you know, you, you probably, yeah, I'm sure, you know, it, the little room they take you to, to share, you know, that you've lost somebody. Right. And so uh, we go in there at this point, we know just being called into that room. So there were, there were three state troopers and uh, they come in and they said, you know, we've got to tell you that Jacob did pass away in the wreck. It was very difficult. They handed Jenny a Ziploc bag with Jacob's bloody wallet, his bloody class ring. He was a senior in high school. He had just got his class ring, uh, like $3 in money that he had in his pocket and said, this is what we have left. So we were, you know, obviously just we're devastated, you know, and the state troopers told us this right after that. They said, we have a witness that thinks that your son ran the red light. And if that's the case, we could be, if, if Caleb survives, we could be charging him with vehicular manslaughter. On the same conversation that they just yes. came in and brought us a baggie with our youngest son's pocket yeah. contents. Why would they do that? I mean, why would they say that to you? The same same conversation. So we we go from one like reeling loss to one like what what? Yeah. Yeah. And, and they still did they ever apologize for not no. for mm-hmm. for all of that like no. this? It wasn't your son. It wasn't. Your, why were they so convinced it wasn't him? I, I think yeah, I think because it was a investigation. I think uh-huh. that he they were keeping all of the information very close to chest and they were kind of like oh, okay. not giving out any information as to who it was in the accident, any of that kind of thing. Uh, because it was, you know, a, a DUI manslaughter issue. So so the state troopers, two of them got up, walked out, leaving one state trooper there. And we're we're just reeling. We're like, what do, what do we do? Right. And the state trooper, as he was heading out of the room he said you need to get a lawyer and you need to get a good one and walked out the door that was it at that point we walked out to where our friends are at and we said we just got word that jacob did pass away in the in the accident and caleb is in emergency operation right now to 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 save his life you know and so really at that point we're now just on standby. Yeah. So we, uh, we sat there, we waited, they got Caleb, Caleb came through the surgery, they got the, the lacerated liver repaired. And uh, that was the beginning of a very long two or three weeks. And it, 
again, anybody who's been through something like that, you know, it's just such a fog. It's almost like you can't even really, yeah. you know, count the days. You don't even remember how long it was. And, and I can't remember how many surgeries he had in those first two or three weeks. I mean, he, we literally have to, or at least I do, I have to start with the top of Caleb's head and work my way down when I'm trying to remember all of his injuries. Yeah. Um, traumatic brain injury, broke every bone in his face, blew out both of his eardrums, fractured his C7 vertebrae, broke several ribs, broke his right arm, his left femur, his tailbone. I feel like I'm missing three places. I just, but all of those came slowly as they stabilized him a little more. And then um, he was in a coma for part of that. We didn't know. They warned us when they have a traumatic brain injury, you never know what you're going to get if they come out of it. Um, thank God, you know, he's, he, he's Caleb. Yeah. He came through it and, uh, you know, has some very real issues, Yeah, you know, as you, as you can imagine, you know, yeah. being the older brother, being the one who was driving the guilt that he faced far outweighed the physical issues that he dealt with. And, uh, you know, just why not me? I'm the older brother. I was, I'm supposed to take care of him. You know, all those type of things. He really dealt with a lot of that kind of thing. And, you know, I feel probably to this day, you know, he'll probably always deal with that to some degree. Um, but he's, you know, he's come through, he's an amazing young man. You know, (laughs) I, I tell people all the time, you know, he was, he's one of those kids that he gets out of the hospital He's got his, his uh, 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 he's got his AA and he's like, well, if I've got to be in a, at home in a wheelchair, I'm going to go back to school. I'm doing it and goes back to college online and gets his teaching degree, focusing on special education. But for you guys, that must have been so hard to be trying to grieve Jacob and support Caleb, though, yeah, yeah. at the same time. Yeah. We, we had to take turns at the hospital. Yeah. Day shift, night shift, and then we had some folks from the church that would come up and relieve us, you know, as well, especially when he came out of the coma and the the state troopers came back to tell us that basically the law says that when he's out of the coma, if they stop by, they have the right to talk to him without us knowing, without even getting permission from the staff. So we really made the effort to make sure somebody was with him at all times, which we would have anyway, but there was always that lingering concern that what if, what if the, we don't know what the state troopers are going to say or what they're going to do or, you know, and then, yeah, in the, especially those first few weeks, they're so foggy, but trying to be there for Caleb but plan a memorial service for Jacob and a funeral. Mm -hmm. And we purposely did them as two separate Saturdays, hoping that Caleb might be able to come out of the coma and attend at least one of them, which he didn't. Um, He completely missed the first one. He was still in the coma. And then the second one, I think he had just come out of the coma the night night before. But there's there's no way he could he was still in the trauma ICU unit. You know, there's yeah. no way he could have actually attended. Um, but that was incredibly hard trying to 
split the shifts at the hospital and do all that and wrap our minds around that we're burying one son and we're praying with everything we've got and getting everybody we know worldwide. We we have a worldwide fellowship, getting everybody we know to pray that Caleb would survive. And then if he does survive, he's facing this possible charge. Yeah. Part of it was he has no idea what's happened, right? When he when he comes out of this, we know Caleb, right? The first thing yeah. he's going to ask is, "Why am I here and where is Jacob?" Yeah. And so you know we're we're just we're we're taking these taking turns because knowing that the day is coming where when he comes out he's going to be asking what happened, and you know, thank goodness I was so grateful that it was late, late in the wee hours of the morning, one, one event Friday, um, before Jacob's memorial service. And I'm up there and, um, I'm there by myself, you know, in the waiting room, just waiting, you know, and the nurses came out and said, he's awake and he wants to talk to you. And, uh, so we didn't want him to catch wind of this on the news or somebody else tell him, you know, so I had to go in and, you know, and break the news that, Jacob is is gone. Yeah. And in this same conversation, I have to have this conversation with him that says, and son, listen, the cops are going to come and talk to you. And here's what I want you to say when they do. So I'm prepping him for this inevitable conversation with the police, with the with the investigators. Does he remember what happened? Did he even remember what happened? No, no. he remembers nothing, nothing. And honestly, that's probably God's grace. I really, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the, the conversation is, son, repeat after me. I would like my lawyer. And that's it. I mean, that's, that is exactly the conversation that I had to have was Jacob died in the wreck. His memorial service is tomorrow. And when the cops show up, I want my lawyer. That's that is a, that's that that's the conversation we had to have. And what a horrible thing for him to hear, because then he's got to be thinking automatically, "Oh my gosh, Jacob's dead, and it's right, my fault." Right? Yeah. I mean, don't you think he would just you just could do that automatically? I gave him in, just some insight. You know, I said, you know, I I, I didn't just be like, "Hey, you know, it's, yeah. the cops are coming right. with the handcuffs." Oh, mm-hmm. you know, I said there, um, there's an investigation into it, and. Yeah. What I, I just explained to him, I said, listen, you're you're under doctor's care, you're under medications, you know, don't talk yeah. to the to the police unless I'm here or our lawyers here. So that's the whole other part of it, you know, is, you know, we're we're trying to wrap our brain around this whole situation while I'm making phone calls to to lawyers and defense attorneys to, yeah. hey, I need somebody down here and, and they're sending down investigators to talk to us and you know, all of those, all of those things, you know, and uh, so we make it through the, the funeral, then the week later is the memorial service, and Caleb has come out of the, you know, this coma, and I tell you, it was, it was so scary, and what do you do? You don't, you don't know if you're going to get your, your oldest son back, and if he does come through this, what is he going to be like? He's got this traumatic brain injury. Like I said, by the grace of God, he came through it. And so, did they ever really figure out what had happened? So the two the two teenagers, they were both eighteen years old, had just graduated from high school in that May, and 
so this was the end of April and I'm sorry, the end of the end of August. August. Yeah, sorry. August, yeah. Uh, they just got together, want to go drink, and and they somebody bought them a large amount of alcohol, and they got totally wasted. Uh, and their where the accident happened was not far from where they live, and they they were actually they came from the smaller road across the four lane uh, highway at about seventy miles an hour, and again. Who ran the red light? I don't know. There was there was never any judgment on that. There, we it yeah. never they, it, yeah. they never got to you know work this whole situation out to find out who did what and where. But yeah, so they 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 ran this they ran the the light going seventy miles an hour. They were in a, a Chevy twenty five hundred uh, pickup truck, so it's a big truck. Yeah. Uh, they hit Caleb uh, Caleb's doorpost. He was the one driving. They hit him right in the driver's side. And literally ripped the entire front end of the vehicle off, and it did start on fire. We have the 911 recordings that a guy is calling in. You know, it's been a terrible accident. He's, you know, there, I see somebody inside the, the the car. It's on fire. What do I do? What do I do? How do how do I get him out? You know. So again, just the grace of God that that there was, you know, he wasn't severely burned. Yeah, yeah. So when they hit. Our sons, their truck actually flipped and rolled several times as well. Like I said, you know, unfortunately, you hear this way too often that the ones that were drunk and driving yeah. are the ones that walk away from it. And and that's exactly what happened. The one, you know, uh, the one who was driving uh, would not give a breathalyzer uh, on scene. So they had to pull his blood at the hospital and he actually ended up being a legal for anybody over 21 in Florida is 0.08 and he was a 0.22 so he was three times the the legal limit yeah so and that was way after too so who knows how high it was before yeah wow you know to to continue you know with the story we ended up of course we got the lawyers they're they're helping us Caleb's got to go through several weeks months of rehab and you know before it comes home we end up getting a court date and the one witness who said that she thought caleb ran the red light she was like a mile away and so again it's at night she's like over a mile away when she thinks that she sees caleb run the red light and she she missed the court date anyway she missed that court date. So the judge just said, all right, you have no witnesses. I'm throwing this out. At that point, Mm -hmm. any charges against Caleb were dropped. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, then we find out that the one who was driving, uh, he ended up getting. He had already been sentenced and we had no idea. He had already gone to court months it, we Caleb's court date was over a year after the accident so for that whole first year we had that hanging over our family while he's recovering this looming threat that he could still be found guilty of vehicular manslaughter and we didn't know until that court date when the two young men because they were subpoenaed to Caleb's court date uh, we found out that day that they had already had their day in court and already been sentenced and everything. Actually, the the passenger 
um, didn't didn't get anything. And the driver, if I remember correctly, he got 100 hours of community service, one night in jail, lost his driver's license for six months, I think. And that was the extent. They said it was his first offense and that the judge did everything he could to the extent of the law. You know, to us, it felt like a slap in the face as we're. That's that the woman that hit us and killed Andy. I think she had 100 or 200 hours of community service. That's yeah. Yeah. Um, and like, I don't know, a couple thousand right. nine and lost her license. Yeah. Lost her license. So I think yeah. for six months. I think it was yeah. the same. It was, it, they, it was just a, a misdemeanor. I mean, they just did a misdemeanor. It wasn't a felony charge and because she wasn't on her phone. Yeah, right. And then, yeah, I think it was about the max they could do for a misdemeanor right. charge, but yeah, that's probably what the same yeah, was there. Right. But it seems like if you're drunk, <laughs> you should get a felony charge, not a misdemeanor charge. It makes no sense to yeah. me. Yeah, and being a minor, minor being yeah. drunk. You know. Yeah, and being a minor, yeah. right. Yeah, that makes that makes zero yeah. sense to me. So, uh, well, I I really do need to talk about what you've yeah. done since then because we're we've already been talking quite a while and we haven't even talked yeah, about right. that at all because you've both done some different things. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yep. So, so within that first year, um, well, I think I had shared with you, but your listeners won't know this that my husband is a pastor. Mm-hmm. So with it, he's used to speaking. You know, so within that first year, like I think the first time that he shared publicly about our story, he, him especially, um, had been in communication with our son's high school because like he said, Jacob had just finished his second week of his senior year. And so he'd been in communication with the principal quite a bit. The school was, was awesome, you know, about that kind of thing. And um, make a long story short, Myron spoke at the baccalaureate that year. And was able to share our story. I won't go into the side story now about the poem that we found uh, that Jacob wrote. Or Myron told you earlier that Caleb was really the writer. Yeah. So there's a whole story that I won't get into now about that. That that was definitely a, a God thing that we found that. But he he read that poem and he was able to share. And that was the first time. And then since then he has shared our story. Pretty much anywhere that they ask him to share it, you know, he's done football stadiums of juniors and seniors in high schools at the mock DUIs and down to smaller settings for Teen Challenge or, you know, wherever they ask him to speak. And uh, then in 2017, because we were over the children's ministry at the time, we weren't in the active pastorate at the time when it happened. Mm-hmm. But in 2017, we answered the call to come down to where we are now in Central Florida and start a church location down here. So that's what we've been doing since then. Yeah, you know, and more than anything through through all of this, you know, you can take it one of two ways, right? You can you can go through this and not process correctly and allow it to ruin your life. Uh, and, and unfortunately, we probably all know people who've done that. Uh, they walk away. Who stay stuck, right? They, yeah, they, and yeah. They, yeah, they end up bitter and angry and they their life ends up being a shell of what it could be because they didn't process it correctly. Or you can take 
the hand that's been dealt to you and say, you know what, I'm, I don't want to just, I don't want to just survive. I want my life to make a difference. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's what we chose to do. You know, we, we chose to let our, our story hopefully give hope to others that, yeah, yes, it's a tragedy. Yes, it's terrible. Will you ever get over it? No, you'll never get over it. But there comes a point in life where it's a scar that will always be there. It's a, a, a wound that will always be there. But like any, any scar, if it heals correctly, you'll always know it's there. But it just doesn't hurt so much when you touch it. That, you know, the, the healing process takes away that sharp pain. It never takes away all the pain. But it, it definitely takes away that sharp pain. And, you know, we're like, yeah, let's I don't want to just be another statistic. You know, let's you know, this this was a, a tragedy that happened in our life. But we're going to allow it to, to help us to change other people's lives. Right. And help yeah. others and hopefully prevent some of it Correct. from happening yeah. again. So that's beautiful how you're talking to other people. That's one of the most amazing things, uh, you know, when uh, I partner with our sheriff's department here uh, in Florida, and um, it's when you're standing in front of you know 1,100 students and you're telling the story, and when I walk away from there, I want them to understand. I, you know, I, I close the whole story down with our willingness to forgive. Yeah. You know. Because what we could have been, we could have been bitter and angry and, you know, hate these, these young kids. Well, mm -hmm. all of us have made terrible mistakes in life. All of us have done things that we look back on now and regret doing. I just, I, I walk away giving them this, this understanding that whatever life hands you, you have a choice what you're going to do with it. You're either going to let you hurt you and never recover, or you're going to choose to forgive and let let people go. And, and that's such a, a, a message that this young generation needs to hear. There, there's, so, you know, so many are violated and hurt and, you know, they need to know that you can, you know, you can choose to forgive. Well, yeah, I think that's really, really powerful. I mean, for me, we, t we talked about that court date. I was obviously at the court date when she had the sentencing, but you know, by that time I really had forgiven her mm -hmm. and you know, we hugged. Yeah. I hugged her. Yeah. During court that day. Wow. I mean, she was so remorseful and felt so terrible. And I still wish I knew what she was doing, right. <laughs> which, of course, I'll never know what she was doing and what was that distracting and why she was driving so fast because yeah. way faster than anyone else. Um, But again, that goes back to some of that other stuff that you were saying, too, because being in the accident, but not remembering the accident. Because right. I don't. I, I we were I was having a conversation with Andy. I remember turning and looking forward, saying to Eric, oh, this traffic doesn't look like that. And next thing I know, it's 30 minutes later and I'm in the grass in the road. So, you know, I didn't really know that it might not have been Eric's fault. Right. Yeah. Right. I didn't really know that. Yeah. I mean, I hoped that was the case because that would have been really hard had it been Eric's fault. Sure. Um, but then, you know, slowly as we got more information and more witnesses and that she was just driving way, way, way too fast and then decided at the last second she needed to be in the exit lane. I mean, it was, it was not his fault right. at all. Right. And 
And then I, you know, and then you always do the what ifs, like what yeah. if I'd have done this, right? right. What if mm-hmm. we'd have been just a little bit slower in leaving or a little bit quicker in leaving or something like that. And then I go back to, well, somebody else would have died. Right. Yeah. Because we were, it was a ton of traffic and she would have hit somebody yeah. and wouldn't have been us. It would have been somebody else. Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, but that forgiveness is a huge piece. I think what the biggest reason I really truly needed to forgive was because I didn't like myself being angry. That's right. That's right. And I can't, I don't want to be that person. I don't Mm want to be that angry person. That's not the kind of person I am. Yeah. You know, I'm a pediatrician. Pediatricians are just not angry (laughs) people, right? We're just like kind hearted people in general. So I can't, I can't be angry. That's just not the way to live for me. So, yeah. yeah. And so then when we moved down here, yeah, it was really, really hard for me because we left Caleb. He chose, he prayed about it and he chose to stay up. We're in Jacksonville, which is about a two hour drive north from here. Mm-hmm. I, I was not expecting the emotional roller coaster that I went on having that separation. Yeah. So, you know, I worked through that. And then really when, I had already kind of started writing down our story, but then COVID hit. And I actually was just telling somebody today that right at the start of when they started doing all those lockdowns, I read this article about Isaac Newton and he was on, he was on quarantine for two years during a pandemic. And the, Mm -hmm. the point of the article was that during those two years is when he developed the theory of gravity. And so they were saying if Isaac Newton could make useful purpose out of his quarantine time, you guys you should can do. So I was like, all right, I'm going to buckle down and I'm going to write our story. And uh, so I only kind of half joked that if it wasn't for COVID, I probably never would have finished it. But um, I did. And part of that is because um, I, like he was just saying a minute ago, where I wanted our lives to like, if we're going to go through this, I want it to help other people. We have had other couples that have gone through similar things that have been a huge blessing to our lives as they've come alongside us and walked with us. And they know what it's like because they've experienced that pain. And we were like, you know, we, we want to bless others. We want to help other people, you know, too, as much as we can. And on top of all that, I just, you didn't want to be angry, but I didn't want to live like in hopelessness or despair, or I wanted to be like, no, I, no, I'm not going to give the enemy that right in my life. I want to, I want to sock it to him. You know, I want to, I want to be like, no, Myron kind of, he's not really joking when he says, uh, you know, that he, what do you say about if the devil's going to take one of my sons? the decision that I made that, you know, if, if you're going to take one of my sons, I'm going to rise up 10 in his place. And what I mean by that is we live in such a desperate generation. Many people call it the father, the fatherless generation, uh, you know, of young men who, who have never known their dad, who have never known how to cut the, cut, cut the grass, you know, fix it, fix something. They've never experienced that. And so 
you know, I made a decision, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'm going to raise up 10 in his place. I'm going to, I'm going to find 10, 10 young men who say, you know, who I can make a difference in their life so that when they go forward, they're going to go forward better because mm-hmm. I got to be, be a chance to be in their lives. I like it. That's great. That's great. So when was your book published? We actually published it. It's not the best time of year to publish a book, but it was more important to me that the day was significant. Mm-hmm. We published it November 25th of last year, and that would have been Jacob's 25th birthday. Oh, yeah. That's very, very beautiful timing. Mm-hmm. So we published that and that day, and then that was the same day that Caleb, our son that survived, proposed to his girlfriend, too. And she... Oh, did. wow. So we, that day which would have been Jacob's 25th birthday, I feel like he would have been happy. He would have been, he would have really liked yeah. that. You know, which you know is losing a child. That's important, especially to us moms, I think probably more than the dads, but yeah, you know. Yeah. So. How can people get the book and what's the name of the book? The name of the book is God Prince, Finding Evidence of God and the Shattered Pieces of Life. And mm-hmm. it's, it's available. It's a beautiful title. Oh, thank you. It's available anywhere books are sold, you know, on mm-hmm. Amazon. I do have a website, which is just my name, JennyLevitt.com. And I do have links on there too, if they can't remember the, the title or whatever. Okay. Well, I'll make sure to put that in the write-up that I do that goes along with this. I'll put mm-hmm. your website on there just to know that they can get to the mm-hmm. get to the book through that. And just to read what other things you're doing, because with your website, you're doing some other things too. Well, right now I am blogging, which is totally new to me, but I, mm-hmm. I would like the website to be a place where people can come and find hope, um, yeah. you know, healing. I'm kind of pursuing some other ideas right now, which I know you and I have talked about a little bit, yep. but I don't have any... not ready to talk about it no. on the air right now, but I get that. I get that. But there are some pretty cool ideas. So yeah. stay tuned to her website yeah. to see what ends up coming of that. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's just beautiful. Is there anything else you feel like you want to share with people before we close? I think the biggest thing that we want people to walk away after hearing our story is that there's always hope. Mm -hmm. No matter what you're going through in life, you know, some people say that burying your child is the hardest thing a parent will ever do. And Mm -hmm. we want folks to walk away and be like, if those two can make it, I can make it too, you know? Yeah. It's, you know, because there's always hope, no matter what we go through in life, no matter the the tragedies and the twists and turns of life, there's always hope. And, you know, that's, that's, what we want people to understand. We, we, you know, we teach grief, gr- uh, grieving classes and stuff, you know, just trying to, to help people. And a lot of times they, they don't even realize how they're grieving and, they think, well, I don't really need this. I'm going to go for somebody else. And then they, they come to a, a class on grieving and they they realize, man, I, I never handled this grief in my life. And, yeah. and so, you know, I, I'm this way because of just burying my grief and mm-hmm. putting it on a box in a box and putting it on a shelf somewhere and be like, well, I just can't deal with this right now. You know, and that, and that was kind of my story for a long time. You know, we got, we had Caleb, yeah, you know, in the hospital. Yeah. I worked a full-time job. I owned a business. I was running ministries, you know, in the church, you know, I mean, 
honest, when I say that we, uh, you know, I probably survived in like four hours of sleep a day, you know, that was probably generous, you know, I was just yeah. super busy. And, you know, it just comes to a point, you know, where you can't just box your grief up and put it on a shelf somewhere because you're busy. And time does not heal it. It does not. Hard work heals it. Yeah. And a lot of people think time will heal it. And if I just keep busy and I just keep doing this stuff, it will get better right. because there's that old ad- adage, you know, time heals all wounds. Yeah. And so you really think I'm just going to keep busy. Yeah. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, you know, people like they start a foundation or they do yeah. all yeah. of this work just to be busy work. Right. Not that starting a foundation is not a great thing, but you have to work on your grief through yeah. it too. Yeah. You can't just pour everything into something mm-hmm. and ignore the grief part and ignore the heart exactly. issue. Because if you do, it just will not get better right. until you spend some time with it. That's so. correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that you came to that realization and that you're working on helping people through that now. Cause that's just beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing Jacob and Caleb because I enjoyed hearing about him as well. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having us on. You know, it's a it's our our privilege to to be on here. So thank you so much. Yes, thank you, Marcy. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful or would like to support the podcast, please leave a five-star rating and comment. To help financially, you can text Andy's mom to the number 53555 or visit the donate page on andysmom.com. Your donations are secure and tax-deductible, and we are now able to accept Venmo, PayPal, and Apple Pay. Always Andy's Mom is a registered 501c3 organization and can receive donations through smile.amazon.com, Thrive in Financial, and Benevity, amongst others. Marcy loves hearing from listeners. Please feel free to reach out to her via email at marcy at andysmom.com. Also, be sure to sign up for the email list to receive weekly updates as well as pictures of all of Marcy's guests and their children. Together, let's work to inspire hope one day at a time.